The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. And now it's time for the Mr. Nelson Show. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Mr. Nelson Show. Well, I hope it's exciting. Anyway, this is episode 108. And uh, the first of uh, 2017 Halloween month for the Nelson Show. But sadly, we must deal with our little weekend review. And of course, it's going to have to be all about the horrible massacre in Vegas, yes, where a apparently a complete nut uh, freaked out and murdered a bunch of people. Well, freaked out. I mean, he'd been freaked out a long time. He'd been plotting and planning this. Uh, still don't know all the details. Uh, what well, what this was about? What, what was up his butt? ISIS. Um, ISIS claimed yeah, responsibility. Well, I know ISIS claimed responsibility, but yeah. I, I'm surprised ISIS didn't claim responsibility for the hurricanes. Exactly. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, and there's already uh, conspiracy theories about another shooter. And, oh God! Uh, shots hey, being fired from another direction. Know. Could and be all true. That. And not enough there to really oh, jump on. to that conclusion. Yeah. And in every shooting, there's always a report of a second shooter. And it almost always is, is uh, just one. Almost always. Sometimes no, no, there are two shooters. You, no, you don't know that. It's pretty obvious there are from the get-go. Anyway. No, no. Uh, of course, before the bodies are cold, uh, the gun control argument comes out. And everybody's ready to go to battle. It's important. And uh, you use... Uh, these corpses oh for political capital, which of uh, course is repugnant and disgusting, uh, but it's, uh, it's never going to change. It's always going to happen but from uh, politicians just to late-night talk shows. Uh, once again, uh, Jimmy Kimmel yes. takes the lead. A hero, the conscience uh, of And America. just like he did with uh, health care, yes. he, he puts out... Uh, his monologue on this, right? And in the middle of it, even admits his ignorance on the what? subject matter. But uh, no. doesn't matter. Uh, he's I'm calling for us to do something exactly. And Thank uh, you. whatever criticism he receives, he tells you you're just guilty because you bear responsibility for this. Well. Um, oh my God! Uh, screw him. That's screw really him. a horrible yeah. thing to yeah. say. He has no basis or grounds to say Doing it. Doing nothing is more, uh, is more worse. And he doesn't yeah. know what he's talking about. What? He admits he doesn't know what he's talking about no. if you pay attention to it. Yeah. Uh, so, just that's it for Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. I, you know, I said, well, Done. he's a sincere guy. He's just mistaken and all that. Nope. Uh, yeah, he's, he's also idiot. a grown man. He, he, he should have known better than that. Yeah. That's it. I, I don't want to hear about him anymore, oh, and well. I don't care about his show. Uh, and apparently, but, d- he doesn't fine. care about half the country. What? Uh, and, uh, uh, well, good luck with that. No, so, no uh, good luck. The usual arguments, uh, of course, uh, crappy, nasty, even crappy, nasty uh, ex-politicians, namely what? Hillary, oh he jumps God. on it, went through the list. Oh, wait, how can I politicize it? How can I politicize oh, it? Oh, damn. Oh, wait, they're trying to pass a bill legalizing silencers. Exactly. Well, no, they're not. Uh, suppressors do suppress the sound Ex- because they're 
incredibly loud and can what? even burst your eardrums if you oh my God. if you fire the thing. Oh. And it's very annoying, and some people find it a courtesy yeah. to have the suppressors. Yeah. But the sound is then reduced to that of a jackhammer. So the what? idea that you won't hear it is mm-hmm. ridiculous. And people mm-hmm. like Hillary and the rest, who are completely ignorant of guns... No. Um, no. I've just watched too many James Bond movies. Oh, uh, if she watches so, that. Uh, of course, uh, automatic fire. Uh, he apparently did achieve this with the bump stock. Yes. So now there's gotta, move gotta, to ban that. Ban and uh, interestingly no. enough, there seemed to be some agreement on that. Republicans are saying, yeah, we, we could probably do something on that. Even the NRA saying... Yeah, you could probably put some new regulations there. Oh, of course, man. they're not talking total ban, which would be yeah, what the Democrats would want. But uh, to say there's no uh, uh, wiggle room or give or compromise is not true. Well, but, of course, uh, immediately when this became clear, uh, you had uh, people on the left coming out. Huh, if you think a, a, a bump stock ban is enough, you got another thing coming. Exactly. If they came to an agreement, passed that bill, and even Jimmy Kimmel could come out, oh man, we made this happen. We did it. Yeah, it'd be true. (laughs) The hardcore leftists and movement people would remind him that we need the theater to continue because that's what matters, not actual achievement. Now, Mm -hmm. what would be the problem with a bump stock? ban everything uh, once again it's this act of criminalizing millions of innocent people yeah, for the actions yeah. of one yeah. nut uh-huh. but yeah. uh the idea being that automatic weapons are illegal what? and uh you, oh, i mean really? you can get one but it's a long uh, process very expensive very uh, cumbersome well, a lot of regulations to pass through should be. and still you can't just legally transported whenever you want what? and also you can't own one that was manufactured after 1986 so what? boy that narrows it down but again if you could just take a semi-automatic and make it like an automatic well exactly that becomes a problem doesn't it because well, yeah. that's supposed to have you, you gotta ban the, uh, the semi-automatic so uh so yeah you could ban the bump stock Unfortunately, it's not that hard to make one of your own. Oh, my <laughs> so, God. Uh, you really aren't doing a whole lot, but that's typical of Washington because, again, theater, emotion, these are the things they use yeah. to manipulate you. So the yeah. truth is they don't know what to do. What? If a guy wants to kill a bunch of people and nobody else is clued in on what his plans are, uh, the odds are... He's going to be successful. Oh, my God. And that's the truth of the matter. See, you're a do-nothing. Uh, basically, do-nothing. the heroes here are uh, individuals who helped something. other people. And, of course, he the law enforcement who uh, charged this guy. Yes, he did ultimately kill himself. That's right. But, yeah, he did that because the cops were coming. So well, uh, he didn't want to be captured. So a gun so stopped there it. you go. There you uh, go. The sad thing about uh, this type of politicization is that you, you you have a lot of different stories that get lost help. in it. Uh, there was a guy who saved 30 save people during the Vegas attack before he got shot in the neck. What? Uh, he managed to survive. Um, oh, my God. Uh, so that's good. But it's just one of these stories that just, you know, they just, you know, you got to look for it. He's a 30-year-old father. 
Uh, his name is Jonathan Smith, and he he went back into the line of fire trying to, to help people, you know. And they credit him with saving thirty people. Yeah. And um, yeah, well, we're too busy looking at other things. We're, we're trying to <laughs> so, we're trying to save uh, future kudos victims. Kudos to uh, uh, Mr. Smith. So, uh, uh, it's just this too bad uh, he, he's not more yeah. of the story. But where's the capital in that? You know. Well, so, the uh, New York Times, of course, said, oh, Great my paper. God, there's been over 500 mass shootings and all that. Of what? Course, when you break it down, they consider a mass oh shooting God. about four people. So this could include well, uh, domestic disputes that went crazy, uh, uh, gang shootings oh. and the like. Why you got to so, bring that up? No, no. Uh, once again, manipulating you what? and lying. Then a bunch of people no. saying it's, this is because of white supremacy and Blah, well, blah blah. The shooter was white. So. <laughs> it just it really brings the crazy out oh, my, yeah. and uh, right. helps no one. Nope. But if you're in a certain <laughs> camp, you were there before this happened, and well, you're there now. Yep. And nothing really changed. Nope. There. Not leaving uh, my camp. So we'll have to wait for the full details of explanations about this guy. But ultimately, just looks like to me this was a nut. Well, and uh, he had the cash and the wherewithal to do this. Exactly. And he did. And we got to take that I away. I don't think legislation is going to do much about it. What? So, no, it can't. Uh, got a bad and, and here's the thing. Uh, once again now, the trend is, every time this happens, is to mock thoughts and prayers. So offering well, condolences. do anything. Being a sincere person who cares. When you're powerless to do things about harsh reality. But we're not. The best we you can, can do thoughts. is wish condolences to people. But now that is shameful in today's uh, morality, if you can well, call it that. Well, you a blind eye I to this horrific But, heart, yes, thoughts yeah. and prayers for the victims and their families well, and uh, uh, for the uh, people who were injured and are still having to recover from these horrific injuries caused by this evil son of a bitch. Now, yep. So there was so many elements, and I, I, you know, I collected it. You know, stupid actors tweeting things about you can just walk into Walmart and buy a machine gun and what? stuff like that. You probably can. Yeah, I'm not going to waste no, time with that. Can't. I think it boils oh, down to to well, uh, a town hall meeting that CNN what? conducted with uh, Nancy Pelosi. Oh yeah. And uh, uh, she took questions, and uh, uh, a Marine stu- uh, stood up who's also. Uh, a uh, guy who owns a gun shop, oh, and uh, he, he put the most important question that I think is uh, pretty much sums up the whole uh, debate. So let's take a listen to that. Oh man! We have Dan Hicks. He's a retired U.S. Marine captain. Now owns a small gun store in Virginia. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your service to the country. What's your question, sir? Thank you, Mr. Cuomo, for taking my question. Uh, Leader Pelosi, okay. thank you. Um, you know, this is very difficult for me, uh, you know, as a retired Marine, to see these kinds of travesties happening in my country. And then on the flip side of that, as someone who is in the, the firearms industry, who uh, caters to clients who support the Second Amendment and are trying to acquire firearms for their own personal protection, you know, it's very difficult. And my condolences go out to those who have mm-hmm. been uh, injured and, and, and killed and their families. Um, my question is, given the totality of the events surrounding uh, this, this latest incident, you know, we have potentially a lone wolf shooter, although that's being questioned now, I think, for very good reason. 
you know, someone who's a multimillionaire spent thousands upon thousands of dollars to mm-hmm. acquire his uh, means of destruction, uh, you know, legally from all, all mm-hmm. uh, everything that we can see. Um, you know, someone with that kind of motivation, what new law can we put out there that would stop something like this? Well, first let me thank you as a Marine your service to our country and thank you for your thoughtful question Dan we had come together in a bipartisan way to put together what we thought would save the most lives and that is to have background checks no, man. you already have them gun violence yeah. prevention background checks and to have them have be them. effective I believe that when the, when the Dan, um, he passed them by the surveys way. are taken what? about this Dan Overwhelmingly, members of the National Rifle Association support background check. Gun and they already owners, have uh, them. The chairman, the person who's the head of our task force, Mike Thompson, Congressman Mike Thompson uh, of California, he is uh, a Vietnam vet, wounded in Vietnam, a gun owner, hunter. We all support the right of the Second Amendment right to bear arms. So that it isn't a question of that. It is a question yeah, of is. saying no. the people that you sell guns to, I'm sure would not object to having a background check. Again, mm-hmm. he passed the background check. They all get checked. But there are loopholes. Yeah. There are loopholes uh, on uh, Yeah, he on had no record, so it wouldn't work. At the gun shows. And we want not to, true. We, and there's it's, one other loophole. Person to person sales. Yeah. Uh, sometimes. So yeah, see, Cuomo had to bail her out the there because she doesn't know what she's things. talking about. But what do you mean? Everybody knows about the no. gun show loophole. No, God damn it. Everybody yeah what como pushed in there because he como. understood the person to person sales so Gee. so yeah you could have private entities sell uh guns like that and person to person could which that even includes stuff uh situations that doesn't even have anything to do with a gun show i mean it's like what? well it could even be where you inherit the guns from a relative who died and that sort of thing. Oh, and, yeah, God. there's no background check on that. What? And there's oh, really no. no way to enforce it. I mean, if you find out someone got some guns like that and it was law and they broke it, and oh, you're punished. There you but, go. Exactly. Uh, the gun shows of licensed gun dealers, they all have to fill out the paperwork and do the background checks. You what? don't walk in there, buy uh, the gun, and walk Oh, that's just... That, I just don't. I <laughs> just don't not trust. true. I don't believe it. And they keep pushing it uh, because it works again, well for people to think that there's actually something they can do, and this considers this concerns people who don't have anything to do with guns and don't know anything about that's it. Right. So like that's you, part of the theater. It makes votes. It gets donations, and that's why they'll keep like doing it, no matter how many background checks they pass. They're always going to act like there aren't any. There are. And and didn't I? Yeah. That's that. So once again, she lied. Did she answer what? his question? Yes. Not really, what? because she lied. No. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, like I said, maybe the bump stock ban or new regulations will will, will, will pass and no. that sort of thing. Maybe. Um, but that's about it. Uh, no. So the answer yeah. to his question: What could they do to prevent what happened? Plenty. They can't. What? And that's that. And, no. There you go. So that's why I think that little exchange summed up the whole thing pretty nicely. So there you go. All right. Got to cut this short because uh, I'm going to play an old classic uh, horror story from old uh, time radio. And that'll be at the end of the show. We'll take a break. 
and then come back with uh, uh, a new episode of Sun King. Uh, well, and then on. after that, we'll get into uh, we don't need to run that. Orson Welles' production this, of Dracula. What? So Orson stick Will. around. Oh, uh, uh, before you go uh, there. Uh, what a waste of a... No, Shut up, damn Lefty, goddammit. I gotta correct uh, something. This is actually episode 107. Uh, huh? You got it wrong so there. What? Oh, what'd I say? Yeah, you said it was 108. Oh. All right. Yeah, uh, episode 107. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, we'll be back after this. Oh, well, thank God we cleared that up. Oh, God. You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. Like the sound of my voice? Yes, you know you do. And you want to hear it in the best way possible. So why not get yourself some headphones and accessories from Tweaked Audio? Key features include eight colors and styles, mic'd and non-mic'd versions, designed to sound great for music and talk. Noise-reducing design with a lifetime warranty. So head over to TweakedAudio.com and use discount code Mr. Nelson at checkout for 33% off and free worldwide shipping. That's Mr. Nelson, M-R-N-A-I-L-S-I-N. It's not case-sensitive, but it is all one word. That's TweakedAudio.com. Freak at the sight of 13 ghosts when you see them through the new ghost viewer that will be given to you free at this theater. Bring the whole family. They'll all enjoy this completely different scream sensation, happily created to scare the living daylights out of you. William Castle, whom the Saturday Evening Post calls the master of movie horror, tells you more about it. Do you believe in ghosts? I do. And you will too. When you come to this theater, and see my picture, 13 Ghosts. When you see 13 Ghosts, you'll be given a supernatural viewer which will enable you to penetrate for the first time into the spirit world. It will let you see all 13 of our weird, wonderful, and wildly assorted ghosts. 13 Ghosts, the motion picture where there's a ghost for each member of the family. See the ghost of a lion in the basement. ghost of a murderous cook in the kitchen. Stop it! Stop it, I say! The ghost who speaks through the lips of the living. Death tonight to one of you. The evil ghost in the bedroom fighting to take possession of a beautiful girl. There are 13 ghosts to choose from, so pick your favorite spook. In Columbia Pictures, 13 ghosts. And remember, everyone who comes to this theater to see 13 ghosts will get a free ghost viewer, and only you will be able to see all 13 ghosts in New Illusiono, because only you will have the ghost viewer. It turns ghosts on, it turns ghosts off. Happy hunting. Say, gang, 
If you've ever been over to my selfie.com slash Nelson store, uh, where I keep all my poor man's mystery science theater videos, uh, you'll find that a lot of these movies are pure crap. Yes, <laughs> they're public domain garbage. Uh, and that's the idea, because you probably wouldn't want to sit through that crap just as is. But with my little additions and uh, my witchy commentary and cartoon sound effects and, yes, bathroom humor, uh, it makes it easy for you to get through it. It's like watching the movie with me. Yeah, yeah. Well, occasionally some of them aren't crap at all. In fact, they're quite good. And the case in point here would be Night of the Living Dead, which is, of course, a horror classic. But for some dumb reason, it fell into public domain. Someone forgot to register copyright. So there it is. It's wide open for assholes like me to dump all over it just for fun. I shouldn't, but of course, I just can't help myself because, well... I'm a smartass. So, when Nelson riffs Night of the Living Dead, we have some people who spend the night in some farmhouse when suddenly some undead cannibals show up to crash the party. Yes, yes. Now, warning. Due to an extreme lack of talent, bathroom humor is deployed throughout the film. So, what you need to do is head over to selfie.com slash Nelson. That's S-E-L-L-F-Y dot com slash N-A-I-L-S-I-N. Nelson. Yes, it's just that simple. And for a buck seventy-five, Nelson Riff's Night of the Living Dead can be yours. Go there now. Smellogs Poop, the super delicious laxative, presents The Adventures of Sun King. Faster than the speed of light, more powerful than an atomic bomb, able to leap the moon in a single bound. What? Up in the sky? It's a comet! It's a UFO! No! It's Sun King! Yes, Sun King. And who? Disguised as mild-mannered tabloid reporter Mark Milktit, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. In our last episode, Sun King has been forcing the weapons magnate Rex Rain into traveling to the small country of Krapistan, specifically West Krapistan, which is involved in a civil war with East Krapistan, a war which appears to have been manipulated by Mr. Rain himself for the means of profiting from it. While boarding the plane in his guise of Mark Milktet, Sun King is stunned to find that also boarding the plane is his fellow Cape's confidential reporter, Layla Lott. He's also even doubly surprised to discover... A hijacker is on board who seizes control of the plane and forces it to divert to East Krapistan. Allah Wakba! I seize this plane in the name of Jihad! You will divert this plane to the nation of Krapistan! Krapistan's where we're headed! What? Oh, oh, right. Uh, no, I mean East Scrapistan. Yes, you will take there. I will kill everyone on board. <laughs> well, now he's taking us to East Scrapistan. 
That's the anti-American sound. Wow, Miguel! Yes, your fate is now in the hands of the freedom fighters of East Pakistan. Allah, what? Greetings, not. If I don't find a way to shed my everyday disguise of tabloid reporter Mark Milkdit and change into Sun King, I may not be able to save the lives of the passengers and, of course, Layla Lot on this very plane from this demented hijacker. Wait, I think I know what to do. Now, all of you, be seated, or you will regret it. Huh? Oh, no. Don't look now, but look, what's that behind you? What? Where? What? What? I don't see anything. (laughs) I don't see anything either. Yeah, there's nothing there. And Mark, what the hell were you talking about? Mark? Mark? Oh, where did he get to now? If you're looking for something to see, you need look no further than right here. You filthy terrorist. Who who are you? Oh, Sun King. (laughs) Thank God. Don't come any closer, Sun King, or I'll be forced to blow this plane sky high along with all these passengers. Don't be a fool. Besides, I think you're bluffing. I don't see any explosives on you. Guess again, my friend, for I have several pounds of C4 explosive shoved up my rectum, and I need only activate the detonator, and boom goes the plane. Green snot. According to my solar vision, his rectum is indeed packed solid with explosives. I've got to act fast. And so, traveling at faster than the speed of light, Sun King grabs the terrorist and takes him to the back of the plane, where he opens the door, and the two men fly out, and he closes the door behind them, all of which appeared to the passengers as a blur of gold and red. What? What just happened? I I don't know. Are we alive? (laughs) Are we alive? (laughs) And outside the plane, Sun King continues to struggle with the would-be hijacker. Release me, you foul infidel demon! Oh, oh, oh! What? What is it? Oh! Oh no! Oh, oh, boy! Of course, my solar energized force field protected me from the blast. However, the blood and guts of the man are all over me. I know. I'll speed at super sheer force, cleaning my uniform. And so, Sun King does just that, and is able to secretly return to the plane in a flash, and resume his everyday disguise of Mark Milktit, completely unbeknownst to the rest of the passengers. There you are, Mark. Where the hell did you go? You missed Sun King and everything. What? Oh, oh boy, just damn my luck, but I... I'm sorry, Layla. I, all the excitement, I got a little airsick, and I had to go to the, the restroom and, uh... And, well, upchuck a bit. Oh, Mark. Later, at the international airport of Poopstain, the capital city of West Krapistan, Rex Rain tries to make good his escape. In all the confusion, I shouldn't be able to book another flight and get out of here. (laughs) So much for Sun King. (laughs) Going somewhere, Rex? What? (laughs) It's you! (laughs) Why, Rex, you look surprised to see me. (laughs) And that bomb went off, I thought for sure. (laughs) Remember, Rex, my solar-powered force field protects me from such harm. Oh, Oh, 
Yeah. Well, Sun King, I suppose I owe you a bit of gratitude. After all, that hijacker certainly would have ended my life as well as the others. That's true, Rex. However, the fate that hijacker intended for you pales in comparison to the one I have in store for you. What? What? What, what are you going to do? Absolutely nothing if you agree to join the West Krepistan army. What? <laughs> what for? There's a war going on here, Rex, and they can use all the help they can get. So you'd better be at the recruiter's office tomorrow morning, or else. Later, at the hotel room of Rex Rain. Oh, man, what am I going to do? There's got to be a way out. Of wait a minute. Wait, of course there is a way out of this. The confusion of war. All I have to do is go ahead and join the Krepistan army, and at the first chance, go AWOL and make good my escape. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as an American citizen, once I'm back on U.S. shore, there's nothing the government of Krapistan can do. Stupid Sun King. <laughs> yes, once again, brains over brawn. <laughs> and then the next morning, at the recruitment station, Rex Rain is already outfitted in the uniform for a recruit and ready to report to his commander when suddenly he sees another recruit in uniform already, but something seems oddly familiar about the man. Good Lord! It's you! That's right, Rex. I decided to join, too, to, uh, you know, keep you company. <laughs> attention! Attention, new recruits! Due to the emergency nature of the war... All recruits must now report for duty to relieve the infantry at the front immediately. Uh, well, it looks like you will be getting, uh, what they call the crash course and on-the-job training in the war. Uh, welcome to the West Grappistan Army, and, uh, yeah, 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 good luck with that. Oh, oh my god! Come on, Rex, where's your sense of adventure? After all, the weapons were designed and built by your company. And soon, Rex and Sun King find themselves at the front of the Krapistan Civil War. Oh god! Oh jeez! This is crazy! This is no place for a sane man! <laughs> we'll die here! So, it seems your views on the war change quite a bit when your own miserable life is at risk. <laughs> alright, alright. You, you were right, I was wrong. I, what, what do you want from me? Just please, I'll do anything you want. Just get me out of here. It's simple, Rex. All you have to do is have your company sever all ties with the parties at Krapistan and no longer send these horrible, deplorable weapons of war to them. <laughs> okay, okay, done, done, deal. Just get me out of here. For God's sakes, Rex, calm down. I mean, your cowardice is turning my stomach. <laughs> Look, you, I don't have a solar-charged force field. I mean, come on. Stop your whining, Rex. If you're looking for sympathy, you'll get none from me. After all, you're the one who... What? Oh, no! Warhead! Who? Uh, it's, this guy, his name's Warhead. He's he's one of our enhanced, super-powered mercenaries that we mutated back in the labs. Looks like uh, the East Krapistanis uh, hired him for their side. Oh, boy. Lord, he packs a mean wallop. I should be able to handle... 
Good lord. What? I... I'm bleeding. Oh, no. Could it be that this Warhead character is more than a match for Sun King? Find out in the next exciting episode in The Adventures of Sun King! The Adventures of Sun King is a Nelson production. All characters and stories are written and performed by me, Douglas Nelson, with music by Kevin McLeod and other public domain sources. Say, gang, can't get enough of Mr. Nelson? <laughs> yes, and who can? Well, to help out in between shows, why don't you head over to Zazzle.com slash V underscore M-R underscore N-A-I-L-S-I-N underscore store. <laughs> yes, it's just that simple. There you'll find all kinds of t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and pins, and even hats. Yes, that's right. All adorned with artwork by yours truly. Truly, Mr. Nelson. And of course, most prominently, the Mr. Nelson t-shirt, the Mr. Nelson pins, buttons, uh, bumper stickers, and the mugs. Uh, did I say mugs? Yeah. And a night-night shirt, that too. Oh, yes, yes. And other lovely shirts that uh, feature artwork from uh, my Selfie store, my Selfie.com store slash Nelson, where you can watch my little four-man mystery science theater movies. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, other t-shirts and stuff that I did just for fun. Uh, and even the uh, the Rob Saul Show uh, t-shirt is there. Yes, you can have all those goodies. You need to go to Zazzle.com slash the Mr. Nelson store. That's right. The Mr. Nelson store. Zazzle.com slash the underscore M-R underscore N-A-I-L-S-I-N underscore store. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just that easy. You're listening to the Mr. Nelson Show here on RadioMisfits.com. Hey, welcome back to the Mr. Nelson Show. Uh, well, it's Halloween month, so for this particular episode, uh, I'm going to do what I did last year and play some uh, old-time radio uh, horror classics. And uh, as I've said before... Uh, for most of my life, I've been obsessed with Orson Welles' War of the Worlds uh, production uh, and all that. And uh, I think I'll get into, I think I've done it before about uh, found footage movies and how they apply to that. But I think I'll talk about that in a later episode. Anyway, uh, the uh, Orson Welles uh, radio group, the Mercury Theater on the Air, uh, their whole uh, uh, shindig was to uh, do radio play adaptions of literary classics. And so, of course, H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds was one of them. And uh, so each time they would do a production, it would be another one of those stories. So uh, one of the other classics was Bram Stoker's Dracula. So uh, what, what I've got here for you is a copy of that. And uh, interestingly enough, if all goes well, I'll have my own version of Dracula by the end of the month. If it doesn't, uh, I'll, I'll have something for you. <laughs> but uh, so I thought it would be interesting to play yet uh, another Orson Welles bit. Uh, 
and uh, from the Mercury Theater on the Air. So here is uh, Orson Welles, Mercury Theater on the Air's Dracula. The Columbia Network takes pride in presenting Orson Welles in the first production of a unique new summer series by the Mercury Theater on the Air. single year, the first in the life of the Mercury Theater, Orson Welles has come to be the most famous name of our time in American drama. Says Collier's Magazine, 23-year-old Orson Welles threw a bombshell into Broadway. Robert Benchley writes in The New Yorker, the production of the Mercury is, I should say, just about perfect. Time Magazine declares, the brightest moon that has risen over Broadway in years. Welles should feel at home in the sky. For the sky is the only limit which his ambitions recognize. And finally, the United Press remarks... Meteoric rise of Orson Welles' Mercury Theater continues unabated. With four hit shows in its first year, the Mercury might well close its door on a season unparalleled in Broadway history. But Mr. Welles has long been working on a project for a greater audience. The Broadways of the entire United States. The Columbia Network is proud to give Orson Welles the opportunity to bring to the air those same qualities of vitality and imagination that have made him the most talked-of theatrical director in America today. And it is this project which Columbia brings you this summer. The first time in its history that radio has ever extended such an invitation to an entire theatrical institution. But here is Orson Welles himself to tell you about it. The director of the Mercury Theater, the star and producer of these programs... Orson Welles. Good evening. We're starting off tonight with the best story of its kind ever written. You will find it in every representative library of classic English narratives. It is Bram Stoker's Dracula. The next time I speak to you, I am Dr. Arthur Seward. George Galuris plays Jonathan Harker, and Martin Gable plays Dr. Van Helsing. It is Dr. Seward who tells the story, and so for the moment... Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. I'll see you in Transylvania. The Mercury Theater on the Air presents Orson Welles as Count Dracula in his own version of Bram Stoker's great novel, Dracula. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Arthur Seward. I'm here tonight to bear witness to the truth of certain events which you may find it hard to believe, but I ask you to believe them. I have here certain documents, telegrams, clippings from the press of the day, memoranda, and letters in various hands. All needless matters have been eliminated, so that a history almost at variance with the possibilities of contemporary belief may stand forth as simple fact. I present you first with excerpts from the private journal of Jonathan Harker. I, Jonathan Harker, lawyer's clerk, article to Peter Hawkins, Esquire of Exeter, England, am writing this journal in the hope that if misfortune overtakes me, it may one day come to the eyes of those who love me. I set out from London on the last day of April to visit one of our clients in Eastern Europe. On May the 3rd, I arrived in Budapest and came after nightfall to Klausenburg on the borders of Transylvania. At Bistritz, there was a letter of welcome for me from our client, 
informing me that his carriage would await me at the Borgo Pass. It was signed, Dracula. teeth as white as ivory. We began to move. I looked back. The coach and its load of passengers had vanished from sight. We swept into the darkness of the pass. I struck a match. It was within a few minutes of midnight. And then a dog began to howl somewhere far down the road. Things you must tell me tomorrow. 
Of England and of the estate there you have purchased for me. Ah, yes. The estate is called Carfax, I believe. Yes, that is so. But now I will detain you no longer. You will find your room in readiness. And I advise you not to leave it during the night. is on the very edge of a terrible precipice. A stone falling from the window would fall a thousand feet without touching anything. I explored. There are doors, doors, doors everywhere, and all of them locked. The door to the great hall, the door to the courtyard, every door in the castle is closed, bolted against me. The castle of Dracula is a prison, and I am a prisoner. Next night, I couldn't sleep. So after a few hours, I got up and lighting my candle, I placed my shaving mirror on the dressing table and was just beginning to shave. You seem restless, Mr. Harker. I hadn't seen him. Although the reflection of the glass covered the whole room behind me. I turned to the glass again. I could see him over my shoulder, but there was no reflection of him in the mirror. It was blank. I started and cut myself on the side of the throat. The blood was trickling down my neck. Hold my mirror! The blood! Blood. Wipe the blood from your face, Mr. Harker. And take care how you cut yourself. It is more dangerous than you think in this country. When I woke, I found most of my things were gone. My passport, my notes, my letter of credit. I could find no trace of them anywhere. And... My door is locked from the outside. June 20th. There is work of some kind going on in the castle. Now and then I hear the faraway muffled sound of matter and spade. And last night, the second of the predated letters which Dracula made me write, the second of that series which is to blot out the very traces of my existence from the earth went forth. Yes, my young friend. Well, what of me? When am I free? When can I leave this place? Free? Mr. Harker, you're always free. You want to leave? Would you like to leave tonight? Yes, yes, in God's name. My dear young friend, not an hour shall you wait in my house against your will. Come, follow me. seems to be bolted. How strange. The door is locked. Well, in God's name, open it. As you will, Mr. Harker. You English have a proverb which is very close to my heart. Welcome the coming speed, the parting guest. Good night, Mr. Harker. <laughs> shut the door! Shut the door! I tell you, shut the door! Shut! The door is shut, Mr. Harker. I take it. We remain. words I ever write in this diary. Oh, God preserve my sanity. I have never seen Count Dracula by day. At sunrise, at the first cockcrow, he is gone. I, 
I do not understand these things. I only know that the wolves obey him and that he is a man with hair on the palm of his hands, with sharp teeth and no blood in his face. He casts no shadow. He cannot be seen in a glass. And he moves like a bat across the sheer face of the castle walls. He eats no food and is mortally afraid of the crucifix. As I write this, I hear in the courtyard the rolling of heavy wheels and the cracking of whips. And there is in the passageway below a sound of heavy boxes being set down. Boxes shaped like coffins. And I know what they hold. Boxes are filled with holy earth from the chapel beneath the castle. Is the last box being nailed down. And now I hear the heavy feet tramping again. The door shut. The chains rattle. In the courtyard and down the rocky way, the roll of heavy wheels, the crack of whips. So gone. I'm alone in the castle. I'm alone in the castle. I'm alone in the castle. I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm alone. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Seward. Mr. Harker's journal terminates at this point. I now present in evidence a clipping dated August 8th of that year from the Yorkshire Telegraph from our correspondent in Whitby. One of the greatest and suddenest storms on record was experienced here today. The weather has been somewhat sultry, but Saturday evening was fine. The band was playing. The piers were crowded with holidaymakers. The wind fell away entirely during the evening, and there was a dead calm. There were but few lights at sea. The only sail noticeable was a foreign schooner under full canvas, which was seemingly going westward. A little after midnight came a strange sound from over the sea, and high overhead the air began to carry a strange, faint, hollow booming. Then, without warning, the tempest broke. And there, with all sails set, was the foreign schooner rushing with terrific speed toward the shore. A searchlight was turned on her. And there, lashed to the helm, was a corpse with drooping head which swayed horribly to and fro at each motion of the ship. A moment later, she crashed. And then a strange thing was seen. At the very instant she touched, a huge dog sprang up on deck from below and running forward, jumped from the bow onto the sand and making straight up the east cliff toward the graveyard, vanished into the night. The coast guard going aboard at dawn found the dead man fastened to a spoke of the wheel. Tightly clutched in one hand was a crucifix. The man must have been dead for quite two days. In the pocket of the dead man's coat was found a bottle, carefully corked, containing a roll of paper. This proved to be an addendum to the ship's log. There was found on board only a small amount of cargo and that of a most unusual nature. Apparently the ship carried nothing but earth. Common earth. Packed away in wooden boxes. Shaped much like coffins. Taking in cargo, a queer cargo, boxes of earth, 
At noon, set sail, east wind, fresh, crew, four hands, two mates, cook, and myself, captain, July 11th. Entered Bosporus at dark, passed through Dardanelles. Mate reported in morning that one of crew, Valjoden, was missing. Took Larbert watch eight bells last night. He was relieved by Chile. You know, came to his There's something aboard oh. this ship. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Don't laugh, Captain. In the rain last night. Oh. A tall, thin man go up companion way and along the deck forward and disappeared. When I go to the bow, no one. And the hatchways all closed. July 22nd. Weather last three days. All hands busy with sails. No time be frightened. Past Gibraltar and out through straits. All well, July 24th. Last night, another hand was lost. Disappeared. My collegian, leave all watch midnight. Then we never see him again. Well, double watch now. If I don't take watch alone no more. Double watch. Double watch. July 29th. Had single watch tonight as crew too tired to double. When morning comes... Hey! Hey, Milo! and I have agreed to go armed henceforth, July 30th. Last night, we are nearing England. Weather fine. All sails set. Captain! Captain! The man in the watch of the sails is missing! Both missing! Now, only self and mate and one hand left to work ship. August 3rd. Days of fog and not a sail sighted. At midnight, I went to relieve the man at wheel, and when I got to it, found no one there. It's here. I know it now. I saw it, like a man, tall and thin and ghastly pale. It was in the pause, looking out. I gave it the knife, and my knife went through it. What? Empty as air. What is it? What are you talking about? It's here, and I'll find it. It's in the hold. One of those boxes of earth. I'll unscrew them one by one and see. And see. He is mad. Stark raving mad. It's no use my trying to stop him. He can't hurt those big boxes. They are invoiced as common earth. I know the secret now. The sea will save me from him. That's all that's left. That's all that's left. August 4th. I am all alone on my ship. And still the fog. I dared not go below. I dared not leave the helm. So here all night I stayed. And in the dimness of the night... I saw it. I saw him. God forgive me, but the mate was right to jump overboard. It was better to die like a sailor in the blue water. But I am captain, and I must not leave my ship. I shall tie my hands to the wheel when my strength begins to fail, 
And along with them I shall tie that which it dare not touch. My crucifix. I am growing weaker. And the night is coming on. God and the Blessed Virgin help a poor ignorant soul trying to do his duty. Seaward, Perfit, to Van Helsing, Amsterdam. Lucy Westenra in alarming condition. Cannot diagnose. Come at once. Seward. Telegram. Van Helsing, Amsterdam, to Seward, Perfit. I'm on my way to you. Please arrange the examination immediately my arrival, Van Helsing. Ladies and gentlemen, I must now explain that six months before the events recorded here, I had become engaged to a young lady, Lucy Westenra. We were to have been married in the spring. My old teacher, Professor Van Helsing, arrived at four the next afternoon. I took him at once to Lucy's house. She lay in a bed asleep. She was ghastly, chalkily pale. The red seemed to have grown even from her lips and gums. And the bones of her face stood out. Young Miss is bad. Very bad. She must have blood or she will die. Yet she is not anemic. The qualitative analysis of her blood gives quite normal condition. It is strange. I do not like to think how strange. Look! My God, her throat, look! The black velvet band that she always wore had dragged up a little and showed a red mark on her throat. Just over the external jugular vein were two punctures, not large, but not wholesome-looking. The edges were white and worn-looking. Well... Well, what is it, Professor? What's wrong with her? Speak frankly. You can tell me the worst. I wish I could, Stuart. I wish I could. But I do not dare. But won't you tell me any, anything? I will tell you this. Your young lady is in a danger greater than death. You must believe me. If you leave her for one moment and harm befalls, you will not sleep easy thereafter. Taking care that the window was closed. 
Dr. Van Helsing had directed. About two in the morning, I awakened. I went to the door, called out. Arthur! Arthur! There was no answer. Something's broken the window. I'm in the room, alone. Then I go out. The house seems empty. The air is full of specks floating, circling in the draft from the window. And the light burns blue, dim. What am I to do? Something very sweet and very bitter all around me. Now seems sinking into deep water. You shall be. Flesh of my flesh. Blood of my blood. Ah. September 12th. Late. Only resolution and habit can let me make an entry tonight. We found her sprawled on the floor. There was a draft in the room from the broken window. Her throat was bare, showing the two wounds. Looking horribly white and mangled. We are too late, my friend. We have failed. God's will be done. She's dying. Yes. She's dying. Stay beside her. It will make much difference, Marty. Whether she dies conscious or in her sleep. child was found to be slightly torn or wounded in the throat. 
The wound seems such as might be made by a rat or a small dog. injured by the beautiful lady. We have just received intelligence that another child missed last night was only discovered late in the morning. It has the same tiny wound in the throat. Well, Stuart, what do you think of that? You mean to tell me, my friend, that you still have no suspicion as to what poor Lucy died of? Nervous prostration, following great loss and waste of blood. And how was the blood lost or wasted? You are a clever man, my friend, and a good doctor. But you do not believe that there are things that you cannot understand. You are wrong, Stuart. Are you aware of all the mysteries of life and death? Can you tell me why in the pampas there are bats that come at night and open the veins of cattle and horses and suck dry those veins? Hmm? How in some islands of the western seas there are bats which hang on trees all day. And then when the sailors sleep on deck because it is hot, flit down on them. And then in the morning are found dead men as white as Miss Lucy was. I understand none of these things. Up to tonight, Stuart. If you dare to come with me, perhaps then you will understand. September 29th. Before dawn, now it is done. And I would sooner die a thousand deaths than live again through what I did this night. We will spend the night, you and I, here in this churchyard where Miss Lucy is buried. We enter the tomb, then we open the coffin. You shall yet be convinced. Take care, Van Helsing. Miss Lucy is dead, is it not so? Then there can be no wrong to her, but if she's not dead. With some difficulty, we found the West End tomb. Took up my place behind a yew tree on one side of the tomb, then Helsing on the other. I was chilled and frightened. Suddenly, I saw something moving between two yew trees, a dim white figure which held something at its breast. The figure stopped. I could not see the face, for it was bent down over what I saw to be a fair-haired child. There was a sharp little cry, such as a child gives in sleep, or a dog as it lies before the fire and dreams. Then the thing saw us. She drew back with an angry snarl. The lovely blood-stained mouth grew to an open square. If ever a face meant death, I saw it at that moment. Then suddenly she turned vanished in the direction of the tomb. The child is not harmed. We leave him in a safe place where the police find him. There's more to do. Come. Now we were in the tomb. There in the coffin. The thing lay. Like a nightmare of Lucy, the pointed teeth, the blood-stained mouth. Then Helsing never looked up. From his bag, he took out a book, his operating knives, a heavy hammer, and a round wooden stake. Some two or three inches thick. Sharpened to a fine point and hardened over a fire. Stuart! The life of this unhappy woman is just begun. When she become what you call undead, there comes with a change the curse of immortality. She cannot die, but must go on age after age, adding new victims. 
because all that die from the praying of the undead become themselves undead and prey on others. So the circle goes on, ever widening as the ripples from a stone thrown in the water. But if this lady, this undead, be made to rest as true dead, then the soul of the poor lady whom we love shall be again free. Tell me, what am I to do? Take this stake in your left hand, the hammer in your right. Yes. Place the point over the heart. Yes. Then, when I begin the prayer for the dead, in God's name, strive. <laughs> Are you ready? Now, Domine Jesu Christe, Fili de vivi, qui manus tuas ex voluntate patri. On the morning of July 11th, a man was found on the border of Transylvania. He talked wildly of wolves and boxes of earth and blood. He gave his name as Jonathan Harker. In the hospital at Klausenberg, he improved sufficiently to make possible his removal to England. I'm still quoting from my own personal papers. But there his condition remained so serious that he was committed for observation to a private ward in my hospital at Perthit. Here he did so well that in three weeks he was completely recovered. It was during this time that his wife, Minna Harker, brought to the attention of Dr. Van Helsing and myself the journal that her husband had kept while a prisoner in the castle of a certain Count Dracula in Transylvania. I have before me the record of a meeting that took place in my study in Perthleet, transcribed by Minna Harker. October 1st. Meeting began soon after 8. Jonathan next to me. Dr. Seward opposite to Van Helsing at the head of the table. My friends... There are such things as vampires. Had I known at first what now I know, one so precious life had been spared to many of us who love her. The vampire which is amongst us is of himself so strong that he can direct all the elements. The storm, the fog, the thunder. He can command all the meaner things, the moth and bat, the owl and the fox and the wolf. How then are we to begin our strike to destroy him? How shall we find his place? And having found it, how can we destroy him? My friends, it is a terrible task that we undertake. To fail here is not mere life or death. If we fail, we become as him. All things of the night as him. What do you say? I answer for myself. Come in. I'm with you. The professor laid a small golden crucifix on the table. We took hands and our solemn pact was made. My friends, we too are not without strength. The vampire flourishes on the blood of the living. Without this he cannot live. He throws no shadow. He makes no reflection in a mirror. He can transform himself to a wolf, to a bat. He can come on moonlight rays as elemental dust he can see in the dark. He can do all these things. Yet he is not free. His power ceases at the coming of the day. Then, until night, 
he must remain in the shape in which he finds himself. And except in his coffin home, in those earth boxes he cannot rest. When we can confine him in his coffin, then, my friends, if we obey what we know, we will destroy him. At that moment, something flapped wildly against the window, then. Did you hit it? I don't know. We looked out of the window. Against the black sky, we could see nothing. in our position. From the town's castle in Transylvania to Whitby came 50 boxes of earth. All of these, to our certain knowledge, were delivered at Carfax. Recently, 12 of these boxes have been removed. First step, ascertain whether all the rest remain in the deserted house next door or whether any more have been removed. We must trace each of these boxes and sterilize the earth with holy water so that he can no longer seek safety in it. And we must hurry. For the next few days, I described in Jonathan Harker's journal. October 2nd, 5 a.m. Just returned from the empty house. Left Mina here at home. Well, we've done our work at Carfax. The place was filthy. The air stagnant and foul and alive with rats. We counted the boxes. Only 38 of them. And over each one, the professor went through his same mysterious work. It was dawn when we got back. I found Mina asleep. She looks paler than usual. October 2nd. Soon after they left, I fell asleep. I remember hearing the sudden barking of the dog. And then, there was silence. I got up and looked out of the window. There was a thin streak of white mist moving across the grass along the wall of the house. It dawned on me that the air in the room was heavy and dank and cold. The gaslight came only like a tiny red spark through the fog. I could see through my eyelids. The mist grew thicker and thicker. Then, as I looked, the spark divided and seemed to shine on me through the fog like two red eyes. You shall be flesh of my flesh. Blood of my blood. Blood of my blood. October 2nd, 8 p.m. We're on the track. Twelve boxes were delivered last week to an empty house at 347 Piccadilly. My dear friends, until the sun sets tonight, Dracula must retain whatever form he now has. We have this day to hunt out all his lairs and sterilize them. Then he will have no place where he can move and hide. But we have only until sunset. The house in Piccadilly was empty. Like the one at Perthley, the same sickening smell was in the air. On a table, we found a clothes brush, a brush, and a comb, and a basin. The latter containing dirty water, which was reddened as if with blood. The boxes are back here. Eight, nine, ten. Eleven. Only eleven. There's a twelfth box somewhere. Gentlemen, it is after six. The sun is setting. We have no time to lose. He will return at any moment. Open the boxes.
nothing to baffle me. You with your pale faces all in a row like sheep in a butcher's. You think you've left me without a place to rest. But I have more. And time is on my side. The one you love is mine already. I have known her. Already my mark is on her throat. Flesh of my flesh. Blood of my blood. She is with me always. Over land or sea. remaining box, gentlemen. We must find it. As long as that earth exists impure, as long as there remains one place of refuge for Dracula, there is no safety and no peace for any soul in England. And for the undead, never peace so long as he lives. Blood of my blood. Blood of my blood. Rina! How do you know that? Quiet, quiet. With me. With me always. Over land and sea. Nina, darling, how did you know that Dracula said those... I don't know. The words just came. Strange. There are times when somehow I feel that I'm with him. At sunset? Yes. Just at sunset. And again at sunrise. Dr. Van Helsing, if I could... If at that time you... Have you the courage? Courage for what? What do you mean? Dr. Van Helsing here will question me. I will question her, yes. In a state of hypnosis. The one you love is already mine, he said. She is with me always, over land or sea. Ah, Count Dracula. Perhaps she will betray you if she is really with you, this one we love. Who knows? If she is really with you over land or sea. Blood of my blood. Mina. Yes? Answer me, Mina. Are you with him? Yes, I am with him. Where are you? I do not know. It is all dark. What do you hear? The lapping of water. I can hear it on the outside. Then you are on a ship? Yes. What else do you hear? There is the creaking of an anchor chain. What are you doing? Still. Oh, so still. It is like death. Here's a report from Matson Peabody. Ship brokers. Dated October 5th, according to Lloyd's List, the only sailing ship that left for the Black Sea yesterday was the Tsarina Katrina, bound for Varna. Some hours before she sailed, a man came alongside, all in black, driving a cart with a great box in it. This he lifted down single-handed and carried below. No one remembers having seen him after that as... Heavy mist came up over Doolittle Dock until sailing time. The rest of London Harbour remained completely clear. Our plans are made. The average sailing time from London to the Black Sea is three weeks. We can travel overland to the same place in three days. 
We shall be there waiting for him when he arrives. October 15th, arrive barn about 5 o'clock. Mina seems stronger. Every morning before sunrise and just before sunset, she speaks to Van Helsing in a trance. Are you with him, Mina? Tell me, are you with him? I am with him. What can you see? Nothing. All is dark. What can you hear? I can hear the waves lapping against the ship and the water rushing by. The wind is high. I can hear it in the shrouds and the bow throws back the foam. So, the Tsarina Katrina is still at sea, hastening on her way to Vrana. The Count cannot cross warning water, so he cannot leave the ship without being observed. What do you hear, Mina? Lapping Daily telegrams from Lloyd's. Not yet reported. Not yet reported. Not yet reported. Not yet reported. Rushing water and creaking mass. Darkness. Darkness and wind. October 24th. Telegram. Lloyd's, London to Harker. Sarina Katrina reported this morning. From Dardanelle. Lloyd's, London to Harker. October 28th. Sarina Katrina in heavy fog reported entering Galatz Harbor at 1 o'clock today. Galatz! Galatz is 38 hours from here, and the first train for Galatz leaves at 6.30 tomorrow morning. My friends, we have lost... by the name of Dracula. That is Pepper's Arit. Uh, Emmanuel Hiddelsheim, his name was. Mr. Hiddelsheim? Yes. You went over the box yesterday. I get the Kyloff by order. Kyloff. Mr. Kyloff? Hello. This morning they find him dead inside the churchyard of St. Peter. They find him dead with his throat torn open. October 30th evening. There are two ways in which Dracula can get back to his own place. By land or by water? We've examined the map and find the most likely river is the Serras. You and I see what will charter a steam launch and follow him up the river. Van Helsing and Mina will take the train to Veresti, and from there they will from go... there we shall go in the track where Harker went, from this ridge over to Borgo. If you have not caught him before, we shall be awaiting Dracula there. Here. 
in an hour. Our enemy is still on the river. October 31st. We can run at good speed up the river at night. There's plenty of water and the banks are wide apart. November 1st, evening. No news all day. We hear that a big boat went up the river before us, going at more than usual speed. Master, 
consoling my children. This instant is no longer than the space between two heartbeats. But the night is not here, and I am lonely. Come to your master, my children. Beguile him now in the instant of his peril. Beguile him with the sound of your names. Claw. Wing. Tooth. Scale. Tissue of flesh. Strike! Harker, strike! There is one very dear to me who has not answered. My love. Mina. There is less than a minute between me and the night. You must speak for me. You must speak with my heart. Give them to me! Jonathan, give them to me! They're sick of wood and the hammer! Arthur! I shall never forget that moment. The look on poor Mina's face as she stood there. The angry scars standing out on her throat. Her eyes like living coals in the last red of the sunset. She had torn the stake and the hammer out of my hands with the strength of an animal. Mina, do you know what you've done, woman? You know what you've done to us? You've released him. The evil is free. Look! The sun! As we looked down at Dracula, the eyes saw the sinking sun. And the hate in them turned to triumph. Flesh of my flesh. Come to me, my love. From the darkness, you have served me well, my love, my bride. Ladies and gentlemen, all the evidence in this case is now before you. I've added nothing. And to the best of my knowledge, I've omitted nothing that might help to throw light on the extraordinary events of the year 1891, which culminated on that terrible evening in the Volga Pass. There remains only this one last report. When Mina Haga seized the stake and hammer from her husband, I believe she was under some form of hypnosis. She herself remembers nothing. But whatever influence was at work on her... She must, at the last moment, have rejected it. For at the exact instant the sun disappeared, it was Mina Harker who drove the stake through the heart of the thing that called itself Dracula. At that same instant, even as we looked, the wound on the side of her throat was no more. As for Dracula, before the scream of the creature had died from our ears, the whole body crumbled into dust and passed from our sight. In the final moment of dissolution, there was in the face a look of peace such as I never could have imagined might have rested there. Tonight's production of Dracula by Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater was the first of nine CBS broadcasts in which this brilliant group will bring to life a series of great narratives. In the cast tonight, Dr. Van Helsing was played by Martin Gable, Jonathan Harker by George Kolouris, Dr. Seward by Orson Welles, the Russian captain by Ray Collins, the mate by Carl Swenson, Mina Harker by Agnes Moorhead, Lucy Westenra by Elizabeth Farrah, and Count Dracula by Orson Welles. 
Bernard Herman composed the original music and conducted. Dan Seymour speaking. And there you have it, Orson Welles' Dracula. Uh, and probably a more faithful adaption to the original story than most of the movies you've probably seen. Now, just for spooks and giggles, I've been re-watching uh, old Universal horror movies uh, this month. And uh, I've gotten through... Uh, Dracula was the first one. Uh, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and then The Mummy. Um with Dracula, uh, it was interesting because you got to remember this is not that long after the end of the silent film era. So a lot about the movie making process was still in its infancy there, and there's a lot of just dead air <laughs> in the movie. Uh, there's very there's there's no music. Uh, there was a, there's a uh, some musical piece that opens the movie, and that's about it. Uh, so it's kind of a, a weird experience there. And then uh, uh, Van Helsing kills Dracula off camera, and you just <laughs> hear the hammer and stuff. And you, oh! <laughs> and so there you go. And that was it. I think Bela Lugosi reprised the role in the Abbott Costello comedy. And you think he played a different vampire in another movie. I'm forgetting the name. I'll have to look into that. And uh, the sequel to this movie was called uh, Dracula's Daughter, which I've never seen. And I'm looking for that one. Uh, uh, so I'll have to I'm sure I can see it online but I'd rather have the DVD or Blu-ray but anyway so that was that for that one uh, the Frankenstein movies you can see the progression of movie making get a little bit better and uh, Bride of Frankenstein is more technically pleasing and they're uh, more incidental music than the first one so they're they're learning as they go along and so Bride of Frankenstein of course everyone considers it's better and that's because it's a bit more advanced but the creepiness of the original makeup in the original still holds quite a good look it's just the camera is on him so uh, very quickly that you don't you have to kind of freeze it to kind of enjoy just the sculpting on Boris Karloff's face that they did and there's a bit of creepiness in the eyes and like they, wow it really is an animated corpse um, and the mummy well the mummy it was interesting it's the original film and everything he's only in the bandages for a brief moment and you never really see him walking around in it or anything um, the later movies of mummies they they stay stuck in the bandages the whole time but in this one it's more like what was later remade by the Brendan Fraser movie in the 90s where he's this you know powerful sorcerer type guy and that's what was really the threat of this mummy character so uh, so far so good with those <laughs> uh, next up I'll be watching uh, Invisible Man and uh, Wolfman and uh, we'll go from there uh Incidentally, about the Universal Monsters, they'd been trying to copy the Marvel model of a shared universe type thing, and they've been trying to do it since uh, they did a movie called Dracula uh, Untold, and it flopped, so that initiative died. They tried to revive it again, and they were going to call it the Dark Universe, and they tried to revive it uh, recently with the Tom Cruise The Mummy. The Mummy flopped. Uh, it wasn't a bad movie. It was nowhere near as good as the Brendan Fraser version. Um, but there's the problem. <laughs> it's just not worth recommending. 
I didn't think it was that bad. I kind of okay liked it, but it wasn't something I had to see or anything, and I can't really recommend it because there were plot problems with it. Uh, and certainly nothing that could begin a new franchise, uh, franchise uh, type of thing. So once again, they failed. The next movie was supposed to be a new Bride of Frankenstein with Harvey, Harvey Bardem and um, Angelina Jolie. And they just now announced that that's being postponed until further notice. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know why they don't just say, yeah, we're done. We're not doing it. Uh, but uh, so it looks like to me it's over. But hey, we'll see. Maybe someone will come up with some hot new idea and it'll happen. So that's it for that, probably. So uh, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the uh, listening to Dracula. Uh, a lot of these old radio shows are readily available online and uh, you can look for them, but I just made it easy for you for this one and uh, hope you enjoyed it. So uh, tune in next week for another haunted episode of the Mr. Nelson Show and you'll just have to wait and see what that'll be about. So uh, good night everybody and we'll see you next time. views and opinions expressed during the Mr. Nelson show do not necessarily reflect those held by RadioMisfits.com. So, any complaints and or comments should be sent to at Mr. Nelson on Twitter, where they will be promptly ignored and or blocked.